Okay, okay. Morning, everyone. Morning. And uh, very welcome to your service this morning. And I know uh, quite a few people are away on holiday. If they're watching this morning, have a lovely break, have a lovely holiday. Um, those that are watching online, you're very welcome to join us. I have a few announcements here just before we start our service. Uh, the deep sea fishing trip is going to take place on Wednesday the 19th of July at half past six. It's leaving the old pier. It's known as the Eisenhower Pier. If you wish to join the trip, please sign up. Um, well, it's men mainly. Uh, if, if you want to sign up at the back of the church or Bill Aiken via the Men's Fellowship WhatsApp, it should be a good night's crack and a bit of fun. Um, Ballycrocken Bible Club is taking place on the 31st of July to the 4th of August. Uh, this is for children going into P1, up to those who have left P7. And flyers are available in the vestibule. You want to take some and invite your neighbours or friends or family, and that would be great. Here's a date for your diary. is Saturday the 9th of March 2024. That's a good, seems a good bit ahead, but we're planning to hold a fundraising concert uh, with Belfast Community Gospel Choir. Just letting you know to put that in your diary. Uh, there are more details about tickets and so forth will follow. Um, also, Alpha, we're hoping to do Alpha starting on the 27th of July, Thursday the 27th at half past seven. And it's very, we're very excited about it. And um, we're, we're looking for uh, folk to help us. You might feel, well, I'm just not available to be there every week and so forth. But there are many jobs that are going to be needing to be done, uh, which, which can be done on a, a short term or very quickly. Not full commitment is necessary. I'll be listing some of these on the, on, on the pamphlet, maybe next week or the following week. Things like making desserts for the first night, or if you could commit to pray even in your homes each week uh, while Alpha is on, um, things like that. And it would be really helpful if you could help us with some of those things. Um, but I'll let you know more about that in the near future. And uh, if you are interested in being a leader in the Alpha group, um, you're very, very welcome. I will be giving out a wee bit more details about that. We're going to be having, later in July, going to be having a training uh, evening. Um, so, yeah, I think that's all of the announcements, apart from the Zoom prayer meetings, which I'm going to turn over to John, who's going to come and let us know about those. Morning, everybody. Oh. During my 27 years here in Ballycrocken, we've faced many bad times. But with prayer dedication coming from the church, church members, we've always managed to overcome the problems. Lately, Mark has been talking about the sermon, in his sermons about the importance of prayer. Last week, Tom Henry spoke of the importance of prayer. In the past, we've overcome damage to windows. The oil pipe was cut and burst. And we've had to put perspex on the windows to save the church. But through all that time, we came through everything. The problems with the middle building, 
Everybody has their own opinion. We don't know what yet what to do. So the prayer team have announced a, uh, a few dates this month. They'll be in the order of service. And it's to try and bring everybody together to pray for the buildings, to pray for our minister, to pray for Zitham, and to pray for the kids' week. There are three verses I'd like to leave with you. Jeremiah 29, verse 11. For I know the plans I have for you. There are plans for good and not for disaster, to give you hope and a future. Proverbs uh, chapter 3, verse 5 and 6. Trust in the Lord with all your heart. Do not depend on your own understanding. Seek his will in all you do. And then Luke 11, verse 9 and 10. So I tell you, keep on asking, and you will be given what you ask for. Seek and you will find. Keep on knocking and doors will be opened. It'd be great if we all in our own houses can come together by Zoom. Uh, you can, if there's a good group, we can have half an hour, we can have an hour, but it would be good to have everybody there praying on behalf of the church for the buildings. And I'd just like to pray for one moment. Heavenly Father, we thank you for all you do for us. We give thanks for the gift of your son, Jesus, who took our sins upon himself. Heavenly Father, lead us and guide us in all that we have to do around your buildings belonging to our church. We lean on you for guidance and strength so that all we do may be for your name and for your glory. Amen. Thank you, John. Very much. I just want to uh, read one sentence from Exodus 33, verse 15. And it's, it's, it's the context is where Moses has come to God and the people of God have turned their back on God and built a, a golden calf. And God is hurt, deeply, deeply hurt. And he says, listen, I'm going to send my angel ahead with you to the promised land. But Moses, I'm not coming. I'm not coming. And Moses argued with him and prayed and, and, and pleaded with them. And Moses turned and said to God, if your presence does not go with us, do not bring, do not bring us up from here. God, if you're not going, we're not going. If you're not going, God, we're not going because we need you with us every step of the way. And, but when God is with us, let's just think about what Paul says in Romans 8, 31. If God is for us, if he is going up with us, who can be against us? Let's pray a moment. Father, we just want to come to you this morning. We want to welcome you here. We want to say that we love you. We want to know the touch of Jesus this morning. We want to know his love. We want to know the Holy Spirit warming our hearts like you did with those two disciples as you walked with them on the road. We want to know that. We want to experience your love, Lord. And we want to lift our hearts to you. Pray, God, that you would be glorified in this service and that each person would leave this place, Lord, knowing that you have spoken to them, that you have touched them, that you have encouraged them. In Jesus' name, amen. So I just want, uh, there's, a, there's a song from way back. Just, we'll remain seated just to we'll focus on the Lord. I love you, Lord.
You know, I don't know about you, but sometimes our faith can wane a bit, but we can read the Bible, and it's easier to get our faith back up again and our knowledge of God back up again. But sometimes when it comes to love, it's not so easy to ignite it. And I just want us to settle our hearts this morning, and it's called I Love You, Lord. thrills in life is to know that you in your worship can bring a smile to God's face and bless him. It's tremendous. 
Let's pray a moment. Lord, we just want to say we love you. Lord, we just want to say we don't want to take another step if you're not going with us. Lord, we don't want to go anywhere without you. And we thank you, Lord, and we can take your presence for granted every week, Lord. But we thank you for your presence here. And we pray that you touch individuals this morning, perhaps heal them, perhaps encourage them, perhaps those who are downhearted, lift them. Lord, we pray that your Holy Spirit would move from heart to heart in Jesus' name. Amen. Let's stand. Let's sing. There is a hope. from Mark's Gospel, chapter 14, verse 66 to 72. Um, Jesus has been arrested, and this is a, a terrible hour for Peter. It says, while Peter was below in, his, in the courtyard, one of the servant girls of the high priest came by, and when she saw Peter warming himself, she looked closely at him. You also were with that Nazarene, Jesus, she said. 
But he denied it. I don't know or understand what you're talking about, he said, and went out into the entrance. And when the servant girl saw him there, she said again to those standing around, this fellow is one of them. Again, he denied it. And after a little while, those standing near said to Peter, surely you're one of them, for you are a Galilean. He began to call down curses on himself, and he swore to them, I don't know this man you're talking about. Immediately the cock crowed the second time. Then Peter remembered the word Jesus had spoken to him. Before the cock crows twice, you will disown me three times. And he broke down and wept. Uh, and this is the word of God. Listen, we don't think we'll have any children this morning. How do we cartoon for them? But, uh, oh, we do. Oh, maybe we will. <laughs> right. I didn't see him. Okay. Well, we'll do a, like a family one, and then we'll show you the wee cartoon, okay? Now, We'll just put on a slide here. Ever felt embarrassed? Have you ever felt really embarrassed that you wanted the earth to swallow you up? Well, something the adults maybe can identify with a wee bit is, as a Presbyterian minister, I always wanted my first infant baptism to be perfect, to be lovely, to be tremendous. And when I was in Straban, it came along, and I was delighted, but I thought of a little song which thought would go perfect whenever I'm carrying the child down the aisle and round into the vestibule and down back up again. And uh, the song was by Robin Mark, This Is Your Day, okay? So the baptism went really well. It was lovely. Then I took the child in my arms, and just like here, we walked down. We walked into the vestibule, out the other side, and back up again. But as I went into the vestibule, Elaine was standing there. That's my wife. Elaine was standing there, and she's just going, as I was walking along, she's going, that's the wrong song. What? It's the wrong song. What are you talking about? It's the wrong song. It's, it's the wrong song that they're playing. So I hadn't been listening, but I went back. As I came back into the church then, and I started to listen, I recognized, yeah, it is the wrong song. And the song that they put on was what every woman wants. <laughs> There I was with the baby in my arms, strutting my stuff up the aisle, and the song going through the audio, and the whole church, what every woman wants. Well, the crazy thing about it was, I don't think anybody caught any attention to it, apart from the audio guys who were laughing their socks off. But it was so embarrassing. It was so embarrassing. And uh, I was thinking about Peter taking it on a more serious note. There was Peter. You could say he was Jesus' top man. And uh, whenever Jesus said about going to Jerusalem and going to have to die, Peter was adamant. Peter was adamant. He says, never, Lord, this shall never happen to you. I won't let it. I won't let it happen. And within hours, when Jesus says to his disciples, to James and Peter and John, Listen, my heart's so heavy. I'm so heavy. Please pray for me. And as Jesus went off to pray, and he came back three times, they'd all fallen asleep. The very time he needed Peter the most, he was asleep. It was an awful time for Peter. And then when Jesus was arrested, and he was rushed to the high priest Caiaphas' house, and there was a courtyard outside, and there were people warming themselves by the fire, and one woman comes over and says, you were that with that Jesus. He says, no, I wasn't. 
He said, yes, you were. And three times he totally denied, and he went back to his old ways of being a rough fisherman, swearing and cursing, and I don't know Jesus at all. And the third time he said it, they were just bringing Jesus out of Caiaphas' house, and he caught the eye of Jesus and felt ashamed. And he ran off. He was so embarrassed and ran off, totally embarrassed. And uh, we're told that he wept bitterly. Now, the Greek, the words that they use there, it means that he wept until his lungs were sore. And that's very graphic. Until his lungs were sore. But then after Jesus died and he rose from the dead, Jesus was making, he was making breakfast for, on the beach and Peter had been out fishing. And John says to Peter, I think that's Jesus. And he, he, he looks and he, he, he's so excited, he fo practically falls off the boat. He jumps off the boat into the water, runs up to Jesus. And I'm sure when he comes up and he sees the campfire, it probably reminds him of the three times that he denied him around the campfire outside Caiaphas' house. And, uh, but once they had breakfast, I don't know what they talked about. I had a nice relaxed time. But then Jesus took him aside. And Jesus didn't say, what were you thinking of, Peter? What were you doing that night? That was terrible. I was so disappointed in you. No. He never brought up what Peter had done at all. All he wants to know is, Peter, do you love me? And he asked him three times, each time for the, each denial. He just said, do you love me? And you know, Jesus doesn't ask him, Peter, do you know your Westminster Confession of Faith? Do you know your, your theology? And all of those things are good. But the thing Jesus is most concerned with, Peter, all I need to know is, before I trust you with looking after my sheep, is do you love me? So, and that's what he, he wants from us. We can be Christians who know our stuff, but the fire of our hearts can be dull and cold. But spending time with Christ, suddenly your heart starts to light up again and our love for him grows. So I'm going to put a wee cartoon. We all love cartoons, don't we? So I'm going to put a cartoon on here and enjoy it then. Mercy, Peter. This is Peter. Hey, Peter was a fisherman who was called by Jesus. Hey. Peter saw the many miracles of Jesus and he heard all of his teachings. When the time came for Jesus to die and take away the sins of all the world, Jesus had one final meal with his friends. During this meal, Jesus told his followers that the time had come for him to leave them. Huh? Peter asked, where are you going? 
Jesus told him Peter couldn't follow him now. What? But that he would follow him later. What is that? But Peter said, why can't I come now? I'm ready to die for you. Jesus said, die for me. Peter, before the rooster crows tomorrow morning, you will deny three times that you even knew me. Then Jesus and his disciples went to the Mount of Olives so Jesus could pray. Along the way, Jesus told his followers that they would all abandon him. Uh-oh. But Peter said, even if everyone else leaves you, I never will. Jesus said, Peter, this very night before the rooster crows, you will deny three times that you even know me. But Peter wouldn't believe it and vowed that he would stay with Jesus until the very end. The other disciples vowed the same. Later on that night, Jesus was arrested by men sent by the religious teachers and priests. Peter tried to fight for Jesus, and he cut off the ear of one of the guards. But Jesus healed the guard and went quietly with the captors. All the disciples scattered just as Jesus told them they would. The men led Jesus away to the house of the high priest. Peter and another disciple followed them. Peter came to warm himself by their fire. Uh, <clears throat> A servant girl noticed him in the firelight. Huh? Finally, she said, this man was one of Jesus' followers. Oh, ma. But Peter denied it for the first time. He said, I don't even know him. <sighs> After a while, someone else looked at him and said, you must be one of them. Oh. Peter for a second time said, no, I'm not. Uh, okay. <sighs> About an hour later, a man who knew the man whose ear Peter cut off said, didn't I see you in the olive grove with Jesus? This must be one of them. He comes from the same place as all of them. Yeah, you're right. But Peter said, No, no, no. I don't know what you're talking about. And then Peter heard the crow of the rooster. <laughs> Jesus turned and looked at Peter. Jesus' words flashed through his mind, and Peter left the courtyard weeping. Then Jesus died and was placed in a tomb. The disciples heard that he had come back from the dead. Peter even saw the empty tomb and believed that Jesus was alive again. And Jesus appeared to the disciples to show him that he was alive. Some of Jesus' followers were together when Peter said, I am going fishing. Okay. So they all went out to the sea, but caught nothing all night. At dawn, they saw a man standing on the beach. Oh, hey, over here. The man called out to them and said, have you caught any fish? Nope. The man said, throw out your net on the right side and you'll get some. Uh, okay. So they did, and they couldn't bring in the net because there were so many fish in it. Then one of the men on the boat said to Peter, it's Jesus. When Peter heard that it was Jesus, he swam to the shore while the others pulled in the load to the boat. When they got there, they found breakfast waiting for them. Mm-hmm, I miss a fish. Got it. 
Jesus said, come have some breakfast. While they were eating, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Peter said, yes, you know I love you. So Jesus said, then feed my lambs. Then Jesus asked again, do you love me? Peter said again, yes, you know I love you. And Jesus said, then take care of my sheep. And then a third time, Jesus asked Peter, do you love me? Peter was hurt that Jesus asked the question a third time. So he said, you know everything. You know that I love you. So Jesus said one last time, then feed my sheep. And so Peter went on to feed Jesus' sheep by helping establish the church and by writing books that we can now read in the Bible. And though he denied Jesus, he was forgiven. And many came to know the love and forgiveness of Jesus through Peter. Okay. So there's a wee thing for you for coming to church. <laughs> there's a wee thing for you. You're welcome. Okay, uh, we're, we're just going to, um, you know, this, this is a message not just for kids, it's for all of us, that we can find forgiveness in Jesus Christ. No matter what we've done, we can find forgiveness in Him. So we're going we're gonna to remain seated and, and uh, sing and listen to this wee, wee song. Maybe you don't know it. Feel free to sing it if you, if you do know it. But just reflect. I'm accepted, I'm forgiven, I am fathered by the true and living God. I'm accepted, no condemnation, I am loved by the true and living God. There's no guilt or fear as I draw near to the Savior and Creator. to you, O oh Lord. I'm accepted, I'm forgiven, I am fathered by the true and living God. I'm accepted, no condemnation, I am loved by the true The Savior and Creator of the world. There is joy and peace as I release my worship to you, O Lord. There's no guilt or fear as I draw near to the Savior and Creator of the world. There is joy and peace as I to you, O oh Lord. Um, 
Now, Sunday Club and Bible class uh, are free to go uh, if they want to go at this point. During the week, I, I was thinking about that, trying to put my, myself in, in Peter's shoes, how I'd feel. And, and Peter, remember, Peter didn't have the New Testament sort of go to and, and look in First John. You know, if we confess our sins, he is faithful and just to forgive us our sins, to cleanse us from all unrighteousness. Peter didn't have that. And I was busy wondering, I was thinking, what would he would have referred to Scripture when he was weeping? What was he thinking of? What was he thinking of? And I don't know, obviously, what he was thinking of, but he was gutted, he was disappointed, he was broken, he felt ashamed. And then I thought of another man, a man in the Old Testament who felt the same, David, a man after God's own heart, who um, committed adultery and then was involved in a conspiracy to murder. And he, he, he felt gutted, he was disappointed in himself, he was ashamed, and he, he wrote, Psalm 51. So I sort of just adapted the psalm a wee bit to incorporate us, us praying the psalm, part of it, um, because each of us, um, we've all made mistakes, we've all made blunders in our lives, and to know that God's forgiveness is there for us and His acceptance is there for us is beyond gold, beyond um, anything we could ever buy. You know, it's, it's amazing. So let's just pray. I'm going to pray just uh, along with David, along with Peter, if Peter would have prayed this prayer. Um, have mercy on us, O God, according to your loving kindness, according to the multitude of your tender mercies, blot out our transgressions. Wash us thoroughly from our iniquity and cleanse us from our sin. For we acknowledge our transgressions and our sin is always before us. Against you, you only have we sinned and done evil in, our, in your sight, that you may be found just when you speak and blameless when you judge. Behold, we were brought forth in iniquity. Behold, you desire truth in our inward parts and in the hidden part, I believe that you will lead us into wisdom. Purge us with hyssop, and I shall be clean. Wash us, and we shall be whiter than the snow. Hide your face from our sins, and blot out all our iniquities. Create in us clean hearts, O God, and renew steadfast spirits within us. Do not cast us away from your presence, and do not take your Holy Spirit from us. Restore to us the joy of our salvation, Uphold us by your Spirit. Then we will teach transgressors your ways, and sinners will, shall be converted to you. Do not desire sacrifice, or else we would give it. You do not delight in burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and a contrite heart. These, O God, you will not despise. In Jesus Christ's name we pray. We pray in the name of He who offers forgiveness for every sin, every mistake, and every blunder in our lives.
and through him we find acceptance. Amen. Amen. And your offering uh, will be received. Father, from Peter's own pen, so to speak, from his own heart, he writes that we were not redeemed with corruptible things like silver or gold from your aimless uh, conduct received by tradition from your fathers, but with the precious blood of Christ, bought with the precious blood of Christ, as of a lamb without blemish and without spot. Lord, those are Peter, that's Peter's testimony after he had fallen, after he had his, 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 just his, his blunders, his mistakes, we've all made mistakes. And he reminds us that our sins are forgiven, not from gold or silver, but by the blessed, precious blood of Jesus Christ, God's Son. And Lord, we thank you for that. And Lord, there is nothing that we can give could ever pay for what you did for us but it's your gift to us. But Lord, what we give to you now is, is, is small, but we know that you can take it and bless it like you did with the bread and the, lo the, the fish. And Lord, you can use it for the, for the spreading of the gospel of Jesus Christ that others might know that weight taken off their shoulders, that forgiveness, that true acceptance that true cleansing. So we surrender it to you now, Lord. It's our privilege and pleasure. Amen. If you'd like to, if you have a Bible, turn to... to um, Sorry, sorry, we've got one more hymn to do. <laughs> uh, God forgive my sin in Jesus' name. We'll stand and worship God for that before we come to his word.
Luke chapter 10, verses 25 to 37. Uh, going to be looking at the parable of the Good Samaritan. Uh, this morning, going to look at uh, the parables over the summer. Um, I remember Desi Maxwell once described the parable as like a wee lunchbox. It's something that's small, something you can carry around with you, take it anywhere you want. And I thought that was a very apt description. It's something that's not, it's not deep. It's just it's wee lessons that we can carry around in our hearts that are easy to remember. So, um, yeah, Luke 10, 25 to 37. On one occasion, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus. Teacher, he asked, what must I do to inherit eternal life? What is written in the law, he replied. How do you read it? And he answered, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength, and with all your mind, and love your neighbor as yourself. You've answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this, and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself, so he asked Jesus, and who is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he fell into the hands of robbers. They stripped him of his clothes, beat him, went away, leaving him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same road, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. So too, a Levite, when he came to the place and saw him, passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. He went to him and bandaged his wounds, poured on oil and wine, and then he put the man on his own donkey, brought him to an inn, and took care of him. The next day took out two silver coins, gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return, I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. And Jesus told him, go and do likewise. One of my favorite films uh, is a film called Hacksaw Ridge. I don't know if you've ever seen it, but it's a true story. It's of a man called Private Desmond Doss, who won the Congregational Medal of Honor despite refusing to bear arms in the Second World War. Uh, and because of a bad experience early in his younger days, he promised God he would never, ever use a gun. And yet he wanted so much to play a part for his country in the Second World War. He was ostracized when he joined the army. They picked on him. They beat him up. They thought he was just being cowardly, not wanting to use a gun. And eventually he got to train as a medic, uh, wanting to save lives rather than take them. And it was a battle, it was the battle of Hacksaw Ridge in Okinawa, where he gained everyone's admiration and respect. There he was seen to be a man in incredible bravery, selflessness, compassion. Without firing a single shot, he saved 75 lives in this battle. On one occasion, trying to protect himself from the perpetual firing of the Japanese, he slid down a hole and the hole led to an underground tunnel which had been dug by the Japanese soldiers so that they could move freely underground. And whilst down there, he came across a Japanese soldier who was in terrible pain and lying there in anguish. And Private Desmond Doss reached into his kit bag, his medic bag, and he tended to the man's wounds as the Japanese soldier just looked on in amazement. Two other Japanese soldiers in that battle, he tried to save their lives also. A true life story of a good Samaritan. 
You know, the Shema in Judaism is what you call, could call the Jewish statement of faith. It, it summarizes the first table of the commandments. That's the first four commandments, which is all, are all to do with your relationship and love for God. Um, so it's in Deuteronomy. It's in Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 to 5. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, and with all your strength. And then the second table of the commandments, which includes the last six, are to do with our relationship with other people. And those six commandments, they are summarized in Leviticus 19, verse 18. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. Uh, Chris, is the wee PowerPoint? Can you, it's not working? Oh, okay. 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 Oh, that's okay. Okay. So Deuteronomy 6, verses 4 to 5, and Leviticus 19, verse 18, it covers the first four commandments and the last six. First four, relationship with God. Last six, relationship with other people. And the spiritual logic is clear. You must first love God with all your heart, your mind, your soul, your strength. And if you do, you'll be able to love others as you love yourself. Honor the first four commandments in loving and honoring God, and the last six will follow. Paul in Galatians, he quotes the passage from Leviticus as a shorthand to keep in the whole law. He says, the whole law, he writes, is fulfilled in one word. You shall love your neighbor as yourself. And here in our passage this morning with a lawyer, um, he's not a criminal lawyer. He's an expert in the Old Testament law. He's a religious leader. He has a PhD, you could say, is in the law. And we're told that he comes to test Jesus. And he asks the million-dollar question, one of the most important questions anyone could ever ask. But unfortunately, he doesn't ask it out of a genuine desire for his own soul. He asks it out of an ulterior motive. What must I do to inherit eternal life? But he's trying to trick Jesus. He knows the law. He's trying to catch Jesus out. Well, Jesus knew what the lawyer, knew the lawyer, knew what he was trying to do. And so Jesus does a very wise and cunning thing as well because he turns the question back on him. And he says, well, what's written in the law? How do you read it? You tell me. And the lawyer in front of everyone, he quotes the verses I've just quoted to you. Uh, Deuteronomy 6, verse 4, Leviticus 19, verse 18. Love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength, and love your neighbor as you love yourself. Jesus answers, you said correctly. Well done. Go to the top of the class. Do this, and you will live. It's embarrassing for the lawyer. Because here the lawyer, he came with a question to Jesus. And Jesus made him answer his own question. And then Jesus kindly tells him, now that you know that, practice what you preach. Do this and you will live. It starts with a relationship with God, your love for God with all your heart, mind, soul, and strength. That will inevitably affect your relationships with other people. 
But the test that Jesus has put in here of our relationship with God, Jesus is saying it's seen in our love for others or our lack of it. The most effective way of testing whether gold is genuine or fool's gold, parite, is to use the streak test. You get an unglazed ceramic tile and you run the gold over it, and if it's genuine gold, it will leave a yellow streak. If it's fool's gold or parite, it will leave a greenish black mark on it. And Jesus is saying here that the test of our relationship with God is how well we love others. If you're honoring him in dealing with the first four commandments, that'll flow over and you're dealing with the last six. The test of a 22-carat gold Christian is not in how well or how well he or she knows her doctrine, but in how she loves God. Loving God in such a way that's visible in our love for others. You know, Jesus said about loving others, that's what defines us. That's the only thing Jesus says defines you as a Christian. All will know that you're my disciples. How? By your love for one another. I, I told you before about the past, a pastor in South America who, who was told by God to preach and he, God told him one Sunday in his sermon already, and he, but God spoke to him during the worship and said, just say this one thing, love your neighbor. No, sorry, love one another, love one another. And he, he kept, that was one line, love one another, sat down. Next Sunday, love one another, sat down. This went on for three months. People were leaving the church. We're paying this guy to get up and say one line every Sunday. We're leaving. Love one another. Until one Sunday that the people start to chat to one another. There's people chatting to folk they've never chatted to ever before. And that one Sunday, 28 people go home with, that are unemployed, go home with jobs. And every single parent family that's struggling has at least one other family to support them and commit to them. The, new, the lawyer, when he came to Jesus, he knew what the law asked of him, and Jesus said, now then, go and do it. Do it and you shall live. Well, the lawyer is red-faced, he's frustrated, he's embarrassed in front of all these people, his friends, other religious leaders, he's really embarrassed. He wants to save face, he wants to get, find a get-out clause, he wants to give an excuse, some reason to justify himself for holding back and loving his neighbor, the way Jesus is speaking. And so he asks Jesus, who is my neighbor? Tell me. Surely we can't love everyone. Do you mean just love those within Israel? Just love fellow Jews? Just love decent people? Do we just love people with good character? Who, Jesus? Where do we draw the line? What about, what about troublemakers? What about blasphemers? What about paramilitaries? Really, Jesus, who is my neighbor? At this point, Jesus begins to tell a story. It's the type of story which we could find in, in any newspaper. Just change the names. He says, a man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers. 
They stripped him of his clothes. They beat him. They went away, leaving him half dead. You know, the road from Jericho to Jerusalem, 20 miles long, could have happened anywhere along the way. Today, it's even, it's renowned for being a terrible road for ambushes. It's a very dangerous road, even today, to walk along. So this man's beaten up, stripped, beaten, lying on the road in great pain, in terrible anguish. And if you've ever seen anyone so beaten, you know the picture, chipped teeth, blackened eyes, hair that's matted down with dried blood, and he's lying there. Oh, thank God, though, here's a priest coming. Jericho, you see, was one of the main country spots where priests lived. So the priest was likely returning from performing holy service at the temple. And the risk was, though, if this man was dead, the priest, if he touches a dead person, it was in the law. If you touch a dead person, it's associated with the sin that of death that comes from sin. And so you just, you try and keep away from that. But here the priest, he has to make a quick decision. What will it be? If this man turns out to be dead, I'll not be able to serve in the temple over the next few days. What's more important, service in the temple or the, my, this man's life? And he decides very quickly, and he goes to the other side of the road. And then a Levite comes along. Now, if Levite wasn't as high up as a priest. Levites were responsible for worship in the temple, for the liturgy that they used in services. And it appears that this Levite comes a little closer than the priest did. We're told when he came to the place and saw him, he obviously came over, how do we look? Passed by on the other side. So he, he was spent a wee bit more time than the priest to see what the situation was, but came to the same conclusion as the priest. I don't want to have to go through all the ritual of cleansing myself over the next number of days before I go back into work. So he passes by, goes on the other side of the road. So let me just stop here for a moment. Just stop and think about that, the Shema that I read earlier. They, both these men, in fact, any faithful Jew, would recite the Shema twice a day. Once in the morning when they get up, once again at sunset before they go to bed. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one, and you shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your strength. And this priest and this Levite, they would have recited it in the morning, then had their breakfast, that have left their homes, went to the temple, done their duties at the temple, heading back home in the evening. They see this man badly beating, lying helplessly on the road. They pass by, unwilling to help. They arrive home, have their tea, and before climbing into bed, they recite the Shema once again. Hear, O Israel, the Lord our God, the Lord is one. You shall love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind, with all your strength. The neglect of their neighbor was sandwiched between two very pious declarations of their love for God. Lord, will love you in the morning. Lord, will love you in the evening. But they walk past this man on their way home. Who is our neighbor? That's a very, it's an incredibly important decision. Who is our neighbor? Do we choose 
who our neighbor is? Do we choose or do we allow God to choose? See, when we allow God to choose, we'll surely find ourselves in some very uncomfortable situations, that's for sure. But we will be where God wants us to be. Some of you will remember Lauren Davidson from Home I. She was at Life Lounge a couple of months ago, and, uh, and uh, we, give, we give her a donation from our Easter gift day offering, and it was a very worthwhile donation. And uh, she's a friend of my daughter Leah, and uh, works every Friday night, sometimes Saturday nights, with the homeless. And Leah started going out with her, and I've told some of the elders this, um, that, that Leah really had her eyes open when she was on the streets. Leah told me of one occasion where a homeless man, he was drunk and he had fallen, his head was bleeding, the ambulance arrived, and he was totally intoxicated, and he was shouting at them, he was abusive with them, and so they, they refused to, to treat him. Leah told me that Lauren knelt down beside the man, wiped the blood from his head, gave him a sleeping bag, and tucked a blanket in around him. And I think that would be outside many of our comfort zones. But for Lauren, it was down to a choice. What's more important, my feeling of comfort or this man's need? Our love for our neighbor comes out of a love for God that covers the first four commandments. And when we honor God in the first four commandments, it flows over into honoring him in the last six in our relationship. Otherwise, the last six become a chore, a matter of just ticking the boxes. You know, this poor man, he's still on the ground. He's been let down by the priest. He's been let down by the Levite. But that's okay. That's okay. But the crowd's happy enough with that because the clergy, they weren't happy with the clergy, with the priests and all anyway. And what they were expecting Jesus to tell us to try and have a kick at the clergy was to say, the priest went by, the Levite went by, but now there came a really good Israelite, a fully-blooded Jew, and he helped the man. And they'd have been cheering for that one. But they didn't hear what they were expecting to hear. Jesus says, but a Samaritan. Say that again, Jesus. Did he say Samaritan? He said, he, Samaritan. He did say Samaritan. You know, the, the hatred for the, from the Jews for the Samaritans was so intense. In 720 BC, the northern kingdom of Samaria had been uh, overcome, conquered by the Assyrians. And as a result of that, Assyrians and Jews had intermarried, and there was mixed blood, mixed race. And other Jews from the north, the full-blooded Jews, they hated them with a passion. You know, during the Second World War, when Germany invaded France, there were some French ladies who entered into relationships with German soldiers. And uh, in later years, when France was liberated, those ladies were taken out onto the streets, and their hair was shaved off uh, in front of friends and family. They were totally disgraced. It's that kind of hatred the Jews have for the Samaritans. 
But here comes a Samaritan. Jesus introduces the Samaritan not as a villain, but as a hero. And, uh, you know, if the Jew weren't half dead, he'd have probably been going, would you get off me? You're a Samaritan. I don't want any help from you. But the Samaritan's care and compassion was extraordinary. We're told he went and bandaged his wounds, poured on oil, poured on wine. He takes the time to sit down and bandage his wounds. He's, he's on one of the riskiest roads in all Israel. He's risking his own life by sitting down beside this man. Then he puts him onto his own donkey, and he walks beside him, and he takes him to the inn and asks the man to take care of him. You know, what a beautiful picture this is. The Samaritan applying first aid. He pays for enough 24 days of food, and he promises to when he returns, he'll, he'll fit the, fit the bill. Now, I don't know about you, but the character, when I read of this good Samaritan, makes me think of Jesus. How many times did Jesus live out what we've been speaking about? Go unto the crippled man by the pool of Bethesda. Go unto blind Bartimaeus when everyone was ignoring him by the roadside. Go unto the leper in the valley who was just waiting for his life to end. Go unto Zacchaeus, the tax collector, hated by people hiding up a tree coming alongside Jesus, coming alongside. That's what Jesus does. Going to Jairus' family and to his little girl who has lost her life and gives her back her life. That's what Jesus does. He comes alongside those in pain, those that are hurting. And that's what we're called to do as individuals, but as a congregation as well. John, in closing this chapter, he writes, Jesus did many other things as well. Every one of them was written down. I suppose that even if the whole world, you know, if everything was written down, even the whole world would not even be able to stock the books in a library written about him. But the most significant for all of us, the most significant thing was when he took the beatings himself that we might find forgiveness and peace with God. Jesus asks the lawyer in closing, which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell into the hands of robbers? The lawyer replies, the one who had mercy on him. The lawyer had to just give up. Jesus had him. And Jesus tells him, go and do likewise. Let's pray. Lord, we thank you, Father, for for this passage that, that shows us two very important questions. What must I do to inherit eternal life? And we see that, that it's about God. It's about in those first four commandments, our relationship with God, nothing about us, but our relationship with God. And then who is our neighbor? And Lord, you answer that in this parable. I pray, Father, that you would put us in situations, that you would trust us with situations where people's lives are broken and hurt and battered and bruised. And Lord, put us in those situations. That, Lord, that we would not be aloof from those situations, but we would be able to come alongside by your strength and by your Spirit and help them. In Jesus' name, amen.
Now we're going to finish with uh, May the mind of Christ my Savior as be thinking as he would think. might be standing here this morning and thinking, you don't know my situation. God can't help me. You don't know my situation. But with God, the God we serve, there are no obstacles, just opportunities for Him. Now may the grace of the Lord Jesus Christ and the love of God and the fellowship of the Holy Spirit be with us all now and forevermore. Amen.